You are listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. I'm here at Porkfest chatting with Chris Pacier for my What is Blockchain series. Chris is the lead backend developer for Open Bazaar. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Oh, you're welcome. So what is blockchain? I like the definition that my friend Jeremy Kaufman, who's the CEO of Library, uses. It's, it's the world's most inefficient database. So what that means is like a normal database, you can put data into it and you can get data out. Uh, it's just horrifically inefficient. But what that buys you is you kind of have this property of censorship resistance where no one can um, change the database or alter it or censor it. And so if you need that property for a particular application, then probably a blockchain is the right choice. You could think of it as um, sort of a ledger where you write down, let's say, somebody's name and how much of something that they have, kind of like bookkeeping that you might do. And every time someone wants to make a change to that ledger, they they just they kind of make a transaction, and it, uh, assuming everything is correct with the transaction, it makes that change, and it'll change someone's balance or change the data associated with, with their account. But it just doesn't let anyone kind of mess with the data inside the database. Okay. So an unchangeable database, a database that no one can ever alter. Correct. How did you first get involved in the industry? I got involved back in around 2012, I think it was. I got into Bitcoin, um, interested in Bitcoin because it, it, it used the blockchain to create this kind of censorship resistant money. And I was really interested in money and the economics of it. And so that, that's just kind of piqued my interest and got me involved. You had a tech background before that? A little bit, not, not a, a whole lot. Now you're a lead back-end developer for one of the most important marketplaces out there at the moment. So OpenBazaar uses Bitcoin or, and other cryptocurrencies um, because of this property of censorship resistance where we can enable people to trade directly with each other in a way that people can't intervene and prevent that transaction from taking place. What excites you the most about blockchain tech? Well, we have this this really cool property of this censorship resistance. Money is one kind of aspect of what you could do with it. There are other things like DNS and gambling. And there's a lot of applications you could think of that might have a need for this type of censorship resistance, possibly some like social media platforms and things like that. And so we're, we're kind of starting to see people experiment with these different ideas in a, and, and do it in a way that where like typical large companies that would otherwise have provided those services, they're not able to um, kind of intervene and, and censor people's blog posts or change DNS records and things like that. So it's being applied to different sectors where people don't want to be censored, where we don't want government or other third parties shutting things down. Exactly, yep. What do you think is the most important application of this tech that you've seen or that you hope to see? Is it currency? Is it smart contracts? Or is it something totally different? I think it's money um, because I, I think money is a very critical part of, of our economy, right? It's like half of all transactions. And I think a lot of the root of our economic problems as a society really comes back to mismanagement of the money supply. Um, so I think that's that's probably the biggest. That's also the one that's probably has the biggest hurdle to disrupting because, right, that's like completely government dominated uh, industry. So it's 
that, that's maybe the most important one, but the, the hardest one to kind of break into and, and affect like real change. Um, so we'll just kind of have to wait and see, I guess. What role does government have in cryptocurrency or in blockchain technology? Do you think that they're needed to regulate it? Do you think that it should exist without interference? My hope is there wouldn't be any regulation. Um, in terms of the actual like platforms themselves, there's really not much they can do to dictate how those platforms operate like they might if you had like a single company running a product. Now, what they've been trying to do is kind of regulate the on-ramps, the, you know, exchanges and how you buy your money. I would still obviously prefer that that's not the case because it just adds a lot of friction into actually using it. But um, as long as the underlying system kind of remains out of their control, you almost kind of have this like, I don't want to say like underground or kind of like agorist, you know, applications that we are at the top of Ago Valley right now. So. Yeah. So you just have these applications that, you know, people can kind of use and, and the government can't really dictate the terms of how they're used. And why is that important? Uh, it, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to freedom, freedom uh, to trade with each other. Um, you know, we're, we're in this for prosperity and economic prosperity. And a lot of people believe that myself included intervening in, in, the, in the marketplace and in, and in people's transactions is a source of a lot of our economic problems. Mm-hmm. Do you see Bitcoin becoming a world currency or do you think it'll just have a specialist use? And uh, for it to become a world currency, what do you think the biggest hurdles are? Yeah, I, I would like to see it become a world currency. I think the biggest obstacles to that are political um, it's kind of, you know, you have the, it's like a competing currency. And, the, and the, of course, the government doesn't like competition. It doesn't want to see people compete with it. Um, so whether or not it's ultimately successful kind of de- determine, depends on the government's reaction to it. And then the people who are using Bitcoin, their reaction to that reaction. And so it's, it, it'll be an interesting dyam- dynamic to see play out. Um, as far as barriers to adoption, I guess this is just for for currency in general, but I guess a lot of these other applications, we still have, the technology is still very inefficient and it's using it in ways that is kind of like very, let's say lightweight and, and you can, something you could put on a phone uh, or an app like you could, you could write for a mobile phone um, that you can, to where you can get it into the hands of everyone and they can get all the properties that we, we like without having to need like third parties to serve as like a gateway to the application. Because a lot of applications that we see coming out today, they rely on these third parties to act as sort of like gateways to the peer-to-peer network. And that kind of, um, that removes a lot of the benefit to the end user. All right, it's gonna be continuity errors now. How is it working at the forefront of the decentralized marketplace scene? I mean, Open Bazaar is really a central point in figuring out how to have free trade and allow people to buy what they want. It's definitely exciting. At the same time, it's a little bit frustrating because it's, we have so many challenges to build it when building decentralized applications that like centralized platforms don't have to deal with. And a lot of times those challenges manifest themselves in like, let's say a user experience that's not what we want it to be. And so we have to, we have to work like overtime to try and get, get the user experience on par with more centralized platforms. And it's really difficult. And and then, you know, her, you know, adoption suffers because of it and that sort of stuff. So you have to, for all decentralized applications, we have to put in like a lot more work to try and get the, the UX where it needs to be, to try and onboard users, get them familiar with, you know, how do they even use cryptocurrency? It's just a lot of hurdles to getting adoption. 
What is the most popular cryptocurrency being used on Open Bazaar at the moment? I think it's Bitcoin still. I mean, we only have right now Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, and Zcash, and the Zcash integration is um, you have to use a full node right now. So, like, very few people are doing that. Um, so, yeah, it's just the real choice is kind of between Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash. And I think I think more people are using Bitcoin. That wasn't the case earlier when you know December, January when fees were really high. Um, I think it was flipped. But um, but yeah, right now it's like fees have come down on Bitcoin, so people are back to using that. And hopefully we'll have some more currencies available in the next couple months. What do you see in the future for Bitcoin and blockchain tech? From usage, I think we, if we can get it to the point where we're able to get apps into the hands of people that um, are, like, let's say, close to as secure and as private as, let's say, running a, a full node on, on the network, like a full peer-to-peer -peer node, um, that's when it starts to get like really disruptive because that's like the full power of the technology. And so the more people who are using that, I think the, the, har the, the harder the government's job of, of regulating it and kind of controlling it. And that's when it starts to kind of have a life of its own. Well, I share your high hopes for Bitcoin and uh, I'm really grateful for you chatting with me here today. Thank you very much. For extra material and any links mentioned in this podcast, please visit naomibrockwell.com. If you'd like to watch the video version, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute or DTube. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future.